Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. This is the Variety and iHeart podcast, The Big Ticket. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. First up today is Ricky Martin. The music superstar is talking about his new holiday movie, Jingle Jangle, how he's doing during the pandemic, and what he thinks of Latino support for President Trump. Then later, Nick Robinson. The Love, Simon star is here to chat about his new FX on Hulu series, A Teacher, with Kate Mara. Find out why he broke the promise to himself not to play another high school student. I'll have Ricky Martin coming up after this short break. Welcome back to The Big Ticket. Ricky Martin admits he experienced severe anxiety at the start of the pandemic. Thoughts of not being able to perform live and for who knows how much longer overwhelmed the 48-year-old music superstar. But then he started to get creative. So creative that he started a new business, Martin Music Labs. Its first endeavor is Orbital Audio, a new sound technology that provides a surround sound system no matter how expensive or inexpensive your headphones may be. His latest album, Pausa, uses Orbital Audio and is heading into the Latin Grammys with four nominations. And next week, Martin will be seen in the new Netflix holiday movie musical, Jingle Jangle, from writer and director David E. Talbert. Martin voices Don Juan Diego, a villainous toy who comes between the town's greatest inventor and his protege. Martin also talks about his support of Joe Biden, and then he sounds off about Latino support for Donald Trump. I talked to Martin over Zoom from Beverly Hills, where he lives with his husband and their four children. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? All week, and I still have issues with <laughs> with technical aspect of it. I hope everything is good. How are you doing, Mark? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. It's It's been super intense, this lockdown, but great and productive. What can I say? Yeah. How are you holding up in all of this? Now I'm doing better. Now I'm good. In the beginning was a mess because I was super, super anxious. I, I had no idea. I mean, I always heard about anxiety, but what I was feeling, oh, this is anxiety. Well, then I'm super anxious. What are we going to do? They were telling us that, you know, you know, no, no more performing. You know, that's what they were telling us. And uh, now I see a little bit more. I see better, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel and I don't see a train coming at me. But I've been very productive. I've, I've, I've been working on this movie for quite some time now. Super exciting. It's a really fun movie. 
I think this movie is historical. You know, we will be watching this this movie for the next 30 years in the holiday season. So it's it's fun. That's beautiful. Why do you think it's history making? Is the story is is the cast, the people involved. David Talbert and Lynn, they've been working on this for 20 years. It, it was not supposed to be released five years ago. It was not supposed to be released 10 years ago. It was supposed to be released now. And historically, we are supported. We are backed up. And this movie is going to be a success, just not only because of the messages and the acting and the music and the design and the whole thing, but because we need it. We need this kind of music now. Yeah, I, um, you know, one of the things I was asking, I was doing the junket yesterday and I was asking everyone, like, you get a phone call and either your agent, your manager or whomever says to you, they want you for this movie. It's not only a Christmas movie, it's a Christmas movie that's a period piece with a black family at the center of it. We just don't see that. How can I say no to a project like this? Are you crazy? Yes, now let's do it. It's beautiful. And you don't have to be Christian to enjoy this, 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 this film. You know, it's uh, anyone can relate. It's for kids. But, you know, my, my mother, I'm sure she's going to get teary eyes when she sees this movie. It's very powerful. And it's fun and it's hopeful and it's optimistic and it makes you believe in, in magic again. And it, and it helps you be in touch with a child within that we all forget. You know, it's, it's powerful. The Don Juan Diego, who did you look to to get inspiration? What was like, did you look back at any other characters or was this just? This is green light to be whoever you want to be and be vicious and Machiavellic and be mean. And, uh, and, and then you have a director that pokes you and pushes you to be even more evil. Um, I, uh, I, I have my kids because every time I was running the lines in my house, they would be like, that's not evil. You know, because like, <laughs> you're looking at me, I'm still your father. And I'm like, yeah, so you need to try harder to be meaner. And I hope you become a director in the future because you have great instincts. <laughs> uh, it's, 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 been, um, it's been a lot of work. I'm not going to say it was easy. Uh, I, I, it took me, let's just say, a total of seven, eight weeks. Uh, to polish this character, you know, first of all, Don Juan Diego, is he Castilian? Is he Colombian? Is he Mexican? So we went there and we played with all the, with all the accents. And, uh, and I had a, had a, uh, uh, a coach, a dialing coach next to me all the time. I, I think I grew as an entertainer. I think I grew as an actor with, with this, with this project. And I hope many, many more to come. And I hope this is the first movie of Don Juan Diego. Did I just say that? You did. Well, it's funny because my husband and I watched it together. My husband's from Mexico. Okay. Saying like, is he Mexican? Is he from Spain? And we had to keep it very neutral. And, and I think that's, that's a great way. But still, I'm talking in English. You are a fool. What are you talking about? I cannot believe you. They are, you are proof that they are fools. So, Ricky, you don't act very often. I mean, it's, you have this. You did Gianna Versace. Um, Evita on Broadway, which I saw, you were amazing in it. Glee, why don't you act more? I'm sure you're a fan, uh, and I'm sure you get scripts. Thank you so much. Uh, I, I, I want to act. The first time I was in front of a camera as an actor, I was 15 years old, and I was bit by the bug immediately. And then, and then I said, forget it. I'm not going to sing ever again. I'm just going to move to New York, and I'm going to record my music. Excuse me. I'm going to just go into Tisch, School of the Arts, and I'm going to become an actor. And then 
I was accepted and, the, and, and then I went to Mexico on vacation and they gave me a role in this musical play. And I never went back to New York and I stayed in Mexico. And then music is evident that music needed to be part of my life. And, 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 and then Ryan Murphy called me to do an episode of Glee. And then he called me to do Versace. I have mad respect for actors. I have mad respect for the career. Uh, itself. I don't want to come across like, hey, I just feel like doing it and I want to do it now. I think that would be very disrespectful. I am learning. I am studying. I have professors with me and uh, and I am selective because uh, it's, it's not something to be prostituted. This is something that needs to be well thought of and, and, uh, and mind you, with a lot of respect for everyone that has been on this career for a long time. So now you've entered the space of the Martin Music Lab. Yeah. Orbital audio, I've been listening to, okay, my husband kept teaching me, Piausa? Piausa. Piausa. Piausa, okay. And I'm gonna screw it up. It's, it really is, you know, listen, I'm not a sound person. I don't understand the intricacies, but when I listened to it, I was like, wait a minute, I'm hearing an instrument over here. Hi. Right. So immersive audio is something that has been there since the 70s. When the lockdown started, I told my team, listen, we have to create something that is of impact. Let's create something that will heal people. I don't know what this is. I have no idea what this. I don't know if it's a vitamin that we're going to invent. I don't know if it's a, a new kind of food, but let's let's be open. And uh, and then I was re-immersed into, into immersive audio. And I said, this is it. We just need to make this perfect. And I went to my to my uh, uh, producer and mixer, Jason Joshua, who is now my partner in this in this journey. And and he said, Ricky, I don't think we can do much. And I did not let him stop. You have to keep doing. Let's let's be specific. I want to be able to grab one instrument and make it go around my head. Okay. And, and and leave it here and then grab the horns and make them fly around my head. So people, pe you know, people didn't know what it was going to feel like. And then all of a sudden you have Asa Rocky and people like Bad Bunny and other young musicians that are, what is this? And I want this for my music and I want it for my entire album because it's the evolution. We had, we had black and white television and then we had color and then we had mono sound and then we had digital and then we had the CDs and all of a sudden now we have orbital audio. I think is the evolution of music and sound. With this saying, the amount of tentacle, tentacles that are growing out of this idea pushes me to do wellness apps with orbital audio where we can create guided meditation forums where we can just bring this kind of tranquility to people where we have Tibetan monks or, or Gregorian chants singing around your brain. And with this, we, we are going to be talking to the medical field to see if there is something here for, for therapy, for Alzheimer's or, or for uh, depression or anxiety, because I know that with the anxiety that I've been feeling in this lockdown, Orbital Audio always helps me. And, uh, and it's, it's very special. It's very special. So now could you go back to your previous work and remix it with the new system? Or do you have to do a whole new record? I love how you think, no, we can, we can go, I can go back to my classics and 
and do it. And right now, my my engineer is like, perfect. Just give me Living La Vida Loca. I've been dying to mix that song. And Living La Vida Loca on Orbital Audio with all those, the sky and the guitars. and the, I, It's going to be very special. Wow. So uh, do you now, now do you just think you're just going to record using... I am going to record music with Orbital Audio in mind because usually I record with a lot of reverb. And if I have less reverb, the effect of Orbital Audio will be more powerful. And that's what these artists that are trying Orbital Audio are doing. And and they are in awe because really they are seeing how their own music is evolving. Their own sound is evolving. And it's a, it's a new era. And, and we're just going to keep fighting for it because... I'm not saying about a lot of things that are happening right now with this orbital audio thing, but but it's um, all I have to say is that I will never stop touring because I love the immediate reaction of the audience. <laughs> <laughs> right. And now maybe this is you're going to get more Grammys because of it. You know, I was just nominated. I was just nominated. I just have four nominations with this album and I am. Obviously, super happy. It doesn't matter how cool you try to be. When you get a nomination, it doesn't matter. You've been doing it for a long time. You go crazy. You go, ah! <laughs> it's the Academy letting me know that I did something right this year. And uh, and Pausa in this album and Orbital Audio is all part of it. The reaction of the audience is my Grammy. Uh, you know, I have to say that. <laughs> of course, I would love to bring that with me home. <laughs> But the reaction has been amazing. And then the reaction of my colleagues of this album has been very beautiful. People, you know, they come to me and they say, Rick, this has become the soundtrack of my pandemic. And for me, that's that's music to my ears. Man. So I did want to talk to you a little bit. We have an election coming up. Mm -hmm. um, you were with Biden in September. I've been supporting Biden, Biden forever. I think uh, he is the only uh, option we have, and he is great. And he's been, you know, in in politics all his life. And 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 this is the moment we all need to get together and be loud about about the cores of of this nation, you know. And and I I am using my social media. Seventy million people, regardless if you're from the U.S. or not, are listening to me every day talking about the importance of change because it's it, it is scary. What do you think when you see a governor of Puerto Rico endorsing Trump? <laughs> well, who is that? <laughs> Next, she doesn't exist. She wasn't even elected by the people, so she's not part of this conversation. When, when you hear Latinos for Trump, what goes through your mind? It is really scary. It is super sad. I think there's a lot of Hispanic that will vote him out. Uh, I, uh, it's just that, you know, Trumpeters, they make a lot of noise, they, you know, and it's, and it's scary to see their enthusiasm. But us, we're doing what's right, the right way. And, uh, and we'll see what happens in November. But I'm very optimistic. I am, a, I am a Latino, gay, married to an Arab, living in Trump's America. We check all the boxes. <laughs> Does that, has it scared you these last four years? I, I, you know, when you have 50 million people voting already, it's, it's because I am not, we are not the only ones concerned about this. And for that, I'm, I am extremely happy. And we'll just take it one day at a time. And, you know, we've, we've had 
we've had plans of listening if we might leave the country no we have to stay here and we have to fight for our rights and what we believe thank you ricky i appreciate it hey thank you so much and ho hopefully we'll see each other soon i appreciate it this thank is all you. over for sure okay. love and light to you and your husband same to you and your family thank you bye-bye that was Ricky Martin. Jingle Jangle will be available on Netflix on November 13th. I'm going to take a short break, but when we return, I chat with Nick Robinson, star of FX on Hulu's new A Teacher. I'll be right back. Lancaster, South Carolina is in the middle of not much. But growing up nearby, I knew it as the hometown of a black man named Jim Duncan, who became a Super Bowl hero. Duncan up to the 15, Now my new podcast, Return Man, I'll discover that his death still makes no sense at all. The story was that my brother went into the police station, took a gun off a police officer, and shot himself in the head. Most people don't believe that. For the past three years at the Rock Hill Herald, I've looked back at a story that's timelier than ever. Breaking news. Don't shoot! Have you got some time to talk? It involves race, the mental state of the person, and a town that was scared to death to say anything. Listen to Return Man on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you took away the date and time, could you imagine that happening today? Yes, you can. Welcome back to The Big Ticket. Nick Robinson melted teen hearts everywhere as the star of Love, Simon, the 2018 coming-of-age rom-com that made history as the first big studio film about a gay teen love story. The 25-year-old actor has now gone back to high school again. This time, it's for a much more adult storyline. In FX on Hulu's A Teacher, he plays a high school senior who has an affair with his English teacher, played by Kate Mara. I talked to Nick from Victoria, Canada, where he's shooting Netflix's upcoming miniseries, Made. Hey, Mark. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. Your hair is long. I know. I know. It's uh, <laughs> Quarantine will do that to you. So how are you? How are you coping in pandemic? You're working right now, aren't you? I am. I'm very fortunate wow. to be working right now. Uh, I am in uh, Victoria, British Columbia, beautiful Victoria, British Columbia, um, working. Uh, the case count here is, um, I, I think, like eight right now, something like that. So it's Whoa. just a different, it's a different reality. It's a bit of a, it was a bit of a shock coming from LA. And, uh, but I'm coping. Um, I, relatively well i would hope um considering how just crazy this year has been um mm. and uh i'm very anxious for the election as i'm sure many people are um yep obsessively checking 538 and <laughs> all the other polling websites um so what's your prediction what do you think is going to happen Oh man, I, it's, a, it's above my pay grade, Mark. I don't <laughs> these kind of predictions, but um, I based solely on the data that I've seen. It seems very likely that uh, we'll see a change in November, which please God, um, please God. <laughs> so let's talk about a teacher. All right. Really great work. 
So thank, thank you for you. making me feel really uncomfortable in a good way. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, so first of all, how did the project come to you? Um, my introduction to the project was back in February or March of 2019, um, which seems like a million years ago. <laughs> yes. um, and I sat down for coffee with Hannah and Kate, um, our director, writer, and uh, Kate Mara, our star. And uh, we discussed the show and, and, and sort of what she was trying to do and what she, what she wanted to say with it. And I, it's, it was really interesting. I had a great feeling right from the meeting. There's sometimes you kind of just get a gut feel and it's one of those times where that um, I just really enjoyed um, the, the coffee and the company and, and, and talking with them. And I left feeling like, oh, maybe this, this, this could be the thing. Um, and then I read the scripts. Um, and I, again, I really, I thought the show was really interesting. I had a very interesting take on, um, especially as the series goes on, uh, on, on these, uh, on this relationship, on Eric and Claire's relationship. Um, and I, um, was compelled enough to go back to high school yet again, do another tour. Uh, and I think this is truly my last, I think I said that once before, but this is, this one is, this was it. Um, but it, this one felt very different to me. Uh, it was not set solely in high school. I mean, there's later episodes that um, are after graduation. Uh, and uh, the subject matter just felt much more mature than the mm. typical uh, high school story. Um, so, and it was a challenge, I thought the uh, the, the the role was was challenging. The the um, story itself, I felt, was um, going to hopefully challenge audiences. Um, and uh, so I'm very glad to hear that you were maybe uncomfortable at times because that's you know I think that was uh, means that we hopefully did part of our job. Hmm. Um, uh, yeah, it, it, you know, talking about these kind of relationships, uh, it, this show was talking about these kind of relationships in a way that was a little more nuanced and, and detailed than I had, had seen in the past. I'd seen the clickbait headlines, I'd seen right. some of the past stories, but I, I you know, um, because it's a miniseries, we really had the time to delve into the, the, the nuance and the, um, the complexities of, of the relationship and then after the relationship is found out. Yeah, it's interesting. Like you said, the clickbait, those stories, you know, all too often we do see these stories. Teacher has affair with student and we all click and we're all expecting, you know, to die for. That's what we all think about right away. So do you do you do research on a movie like this onto, you know, guys who, you know, ended up having affairs with teachers or do you do you not need to do that? I, I don't know. Like, do you have to understand the psychology or is it something, you know, you just playing a high school student and got caught up? I think, um, 
I, I don't think that they're necessarily mutually exclusive. I think doing the research beforehand can be really helpful to give you kind of a macro view of the series. Um, and then once you're actually, you know, playing the scene, then yeah, you're just a high school student who's caught up, I guess. Uh, but I um, relied heavily on Hannah for the, for the research aspect because she had been running a writer's room um, for, for several months uh, by the time that I signed on. And so she um, uh, had worked with a psychologist um, in the writer's room who dealt in, uh, specialized in uh, male survivors and um, had done a lot of work with uh, men um, who had experienced abuse as as teenagers and then were coming to terms with it as adults and he had gone through a similar experience that eric had himself actually so it was really interesting to talk to him and hear about how men internalize um abuse differently um than women sometimes and how the there's a double standard in terms of how society or the culture that can kind of way it treats um mm. the uh the abuse and sometimes we'll even um celebrate it um which the show gets into a little bit um and how how confusing that can be sometimes for um men who feel uh, like they should be happy about the relationship, but have conflicting feelings about it. Mm. So what, what did you, what did you learn from this psychologist? What did you learn from Hannah? Um, I think the main, um, takeaway was, uh, just how, how long it takes, uh, often for, um, men to see themselves as survivors or victims uh, because it's um, they don't want to be a part of that narrative, I guess, and mm -hmm. or, or have that narrative for themselves. Uh, and uh, so oftentimes it's just, there's a people overlook things. Um, and kind of retell stories to themselves in their head that are different than from what actually happened maybe um mm. and uh there's a sometimes a, a sort of a cognitive dissonance there um and i think the series in the later episodes um it are is about both of those characters coming to terms with their actions and uh the uh the the consequences of of those actions and um uh, and Eric beginning to see how problematic um, his relationship with Kate, I'm uh, sorry, Claire um, was. Mm. Um, and because he doesn't want, he, he wants to use the relation, you know, he, when he goes to college, it's, uh, well, I don't know if, I don't know if I can give these spoilers away or not, actually, I'm sort of just talking freely here, but right. um, Eric uh, uses the relationship as um, a, a sort of social currency at times. And so mm. just a lot of 
con- there's a lot of conflicting internal um, push pull there, I think of wanting to um, actually feel like uh, wanting to feel how, sort of how he's portraying the relationship actually feel mm. like it was a, a at all like a, an epic thing, so to speak. Right. Yeah. So you said, I know you told Ellen that, you know, you had a rule, you weren't going to play a high school student again. Love, Simon came along. You said, yes, I'm going to um, play a high school student again. This you're playing the high school student, like you said earlier. Did it take you, did it take some convincing for you um, to do it? Yes. I mean, I, I, I did not go into that meeting expecting to feel as good as I did about it afterwards. Mm-hmm. I was I was kind of going in thinking like, well, you know, I'll take the meeting, but I don't think this is probably the right next one for me. And then, yeah, I met with Hannah and I read the script. I was like, shit, well, um, I guess, yeah, I'm gonna have to go back <laughs> on my word. And, uh, but I, I think, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's really, it's, it's hard to plan with, with this right. um, business and, uh, you know, making ultimatums is <laughs> maybe not the wisest. Sure. <laughs> um, did you have an intimacy coach on set? Was there someone uh, making sure everything was kosher and just everyone was feeling okay? Um, we had an intimacy coach at the very beginning. Um, and Kate mm-hmm. and I both decided uh, as a mutually both had a conversation, decided that it wasn't actually necessary for us, I mean, it's different for every person and every set, but for the set that we were on with, with Hannah at the helm, um, it didn't feel like it was actually a, um, a, a necessary uh, piece. But I mean, not to say that, you know, I, I think it's a great tool. It just wasn't for us for this, for this, um, for this story. Um, Do you, because the relationship is obviously you're just getting to know each other as characters, do you try to get, do you and Kate sit down and try to just get familiar with each other beforehand? Or do you keep sort of, cause you need that awkwardness. And yeah. do you keep that awkwardness by not getting to know each other too much before filming begins, not getting too comfortable with each other. Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes uh, the, that, you know, just depending on scheduling that can kind of lend itself to, a, will just kind of take care of itself in a way. Whereas when you're mm-hmm. first meeting someone, if you're shooting chronologically, you're actually kind of first meeting them. And as you go along, you'll get to know them a little bit better. Um, we had a few weeks before we started to get to know one another. And um, Kate's great. She's a phenomenal actress and a great um, scene partner. Uh, and a uh, also was a new mother at like, right. She had just, she was, taking care of a newborn throughout this whole shoot, which was just wow. doubly impressive, um, almost superhuman. I mean, it was really, it was pretty amazing. Everyone, you know, it'd come into work like, man, I'm, I'm kind of tired. And she'd be like, actually, you know what? Never mind. I'm not, I'm, I don't even know what the word tired means. Um, so that, I mean, she was, she was great. And so we, but, uh, yeah. And, and, uh, blah, uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, we, uh, yeah, we did have some time to get to know each other before and, but I feel like we really hit our stride, you know, later on. And, um, uh, yeah, she's, she was a great collaborator and great in the show. 
So you're up um, in Canada. You're shooting Made right now. Yes. Yes. So tell tell me about Made. I know a little bit about it. Margaret Qualley and her real mom, Andy McDowell. Yeah. Um, so yeah, playing, tell me, playing tell me mother about- and daughter. Um, it Wild. Made is a story about how much about how how hard it is to be poor in America and kind of the cruelty of mm-hmm. um the of 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 poverty in this country and uh the total um the, the catch 22s of the welfare system and the social safety nets and how backwards it is sometimes it's based on a true story by a book uh, uh, based on a book um, by Stephanie Land. And yeah, it's basically about a single mother uh, working as a maid in Washington State um, and trying to survive uh, with mm. government assistance and very meager wages um, and the dangerous situation she's forced to put herself in in order to provide for herself and her child. So another fun lighthearted <laughs> where, where what character are you where do you play into all of this uh i play the father to her we we share a three-year-old daughter together um mm. margaret's character and i uh and uh sean is my character's name and he is not um not the ideal partner um mm-hmm. to put it mildly and so he's sort of non-supportive and um making uh, Alex, that's the character Margaret plays. Alex's life harder, mm. um, maybe than it needs to be. Um, but he has his own issues, and yeah, it's, um, it's great, great writing. Uh, yeah. So, so what's it like? Sh- I mean, you said there's not many cases up there, but is, are there still the COVID protocols taking place? Is there testing all the time, or you don't have really don't have to worry about it up there at all? No, we're we're being extra safe. Um, Everyone um, on set is tested uh, regularly. Um, everyone's wearing a mask. Um, everyone is, uh, yeah, in PPE or and socially distancing on set. Um, uh, and everyone's taking it really seriously. I mean, it's it's even though the case count is really low um, up here, it's still uh, like you know, we are just in the midst of a global pandemic and everyone is, is, hasn't lost sight of that fact. Um, uh, there's been some, some changes, you know, on how, on how we operate, but, um, mm. all in all, uh, I think everyone's also really happy to be back to work. So we're just right. happy to, um, make sac make some, some sacrifices like, or some, just some, whatever, whatever it takes to have us right. get back to work safely. Did you have to quarantine before filming started? I did, yeah. I quarantined for two weeks uh, in a hotel here. Um, wow. Not the not my favorite two weeks, but uh, right. yeah, <laughs> got through it. Do do you, when you started shooting, were you nervous? I mean, it's it's got to be a little unnerving, no matter how how many precautions are being taken. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, a, a, a little bit. I mean, I, I, um, I, uh, my girlfriend and I both actually, uh, 
caught COVID in New York in March mm. of uh, last year, um, or this year. What am I talking about? Sorry. Uh, it seems it like forever like March ago. of last year, but in fact, it's March of this year. Uh, we, we, we both um, uh, got sick. Uh, luckily, it was very mild. Um, had some fevers, and uh, we lost our sense of taste and smell. Um, but after that, we had tested positive for antibodies and, uh, but you know, there's even questions about how long that lasts. So yeah, I was, I was nervous, um, going back. Um, but I felt, uh, pretty confident in, uh, our showrunners and, uh, comfortable with, uh, their handling of the situation and how, um, you know, serious everyone's taking it and the testing constantly and the mask wearing and the social distancing and basically all the things that you know the scientists have been telling us to do and surprise surprise it seems to be working we haven't had any you know yeah any positives really um and uh uh yeah so um i was but you know it's funny too i think that also this year has um like a lot of people my perspective on things has changed a bit And, um, you know, some of the maybe usual nerves of going back to work were definitely there, but I really was just very excited and grateful to, to just kind of be doing this again in Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, and so some of the nerves I think of the work side, uh, were lessened by, by the experience of living through 2020, just your perspective changes and, you know, priorities change, I guess. Priorities change. I think, you know, and I keep saying this, like the romantic side of me, the idealistic side of me is that, you know, when we're out on the other side, the priorities that change will stay there. I don't Mm -hmm. know if human beings are like that. Um, They may go back to, you know, worrying about things that didn't mean that much, but there's also security in that, I guess. Um, So, yeah, it's wild. Tell me about the first audition you ever went on, whether you got the role or not. Well, the first audition I ever went on, um, well, actually, I, I remember it. Uh, I, was a, I, was gr- I grew up in Seattle, and there was a program, is a program there, um, called Broadway Bound, which is a, like a children's theater that does, um, it had, it's going on for years. Um, and uh, they were holding auditions for The Wiz, and I went in and auditioned and uh, I remember going in and being like so nervous and forgetting my monologue. I don't remember what I'd prepared, but completely forgetting it. And um, like just kind of ad-libbing instead. And uh, I did get a part in the production, but it, <laughs> uh, that was my first, uh, that was my first audition. Um, and also this actually brings me to a, a, a just a personal plug that I'd like to make is uh, Go ahead. I recently heard that because of COVID and the shutdowns, uh, Broadway Bound is in danger of closing. Um, it's a you know it's a niche program, but it's if you're in Seattle, if you're listening to this and you're in Seattle, or you're listening to this and you're a fan of the arts, please consider um, a donation to Broadway Bound. They are it's a great uh, company. They've been around for a long, long time like 20,000 kids have gone through their doors. And uh, wow. um, it was where I first 
started acting and I, you know, it, uh, it's a great after school program. And so, yeah, to any of your listeners, if you feel so compelled, I think you can at broadwaybound.org or something like that. Um, that's amazing. Um, how old were you when you auditioned for the Wiz? Young. I don't remember exact. I mean, 11 or 12, maybe. Um, and what was the part that you got? <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, I was cast as the Monkey King, and I played. The critics didn't know what to hit him. Knocked the audience on their ass with that Monkey King. Yeah. Come on. Do you remember any of your lines? I, I don't remember the lines, no. I, I do remember... Um, I I don't remember. I I uh, convinced the director to let me like smoke a fake cigar on stage because I wanted like a mob boss or something with the. At eleven years old, you're already telling the director what you wanted to do. That's <laughs> right, baby. <laughs> Nick, yeah. this is awesome. Thank you so much. Sure. Um, good luck up there in Canada. Enjoy yourself. Thank you. And stay healthy, stay safe. And hopefully next time I see you, it's in person. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate it. Awesome. Take care. Take care, Nick. Bye. That was Nick Robinson. Thanks for listening to The Big Ticket. Coming up next time, John Boyega, the Star Wars star, is here to talk about his new work in Steve McQueen's Small Acts on Amazon. Until then, don't forget to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mark Malkin. And for all your up-to-the-minute Hollywood news, head over to Variety.com. Stay safe, be well, and keep wearing those masks. See you next time. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.